Welcome to the Axe Church Podcast. Thanks for listening to us today. This is Hunter Croft, and I'm talking here to Pastor David Robinson. Uh, today, he and Sherry have a conversation about the road to recovery and redemption and all the things that go along with that. Um, but first, we're going to um, talk for a little while. Yeah, we're going to talk for a little while. I've got, uh, we like to start this out and maybe have a little fun, just kind of keep it light and breezy. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to, once again, Hunter, usually I use you to ask some questions and make you uncomfortable if I can. And so I'm going to try to do that. Um, People are going to end up knowing me really well and not like, this isn't on purpose. This is just. Right. They're just, there's all kinds of things. We're all psychoanalyzing you. We should just call the podcast psychoanalyze Hunter Croft. What's wrong with Hunter Croft? Yeah. What's, what's wrong with Hunter? <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask you a few things. Uh, what is, um, Okay, so here's the thing. You go back in time. Right now, I just zap you back in time, 400 years. How would you convince the people that you were from the future? Mm. What would you use? How would you convince them that you were from the future? So I'm going back 400 years. Yep. What's something I could talk now, about? Now, I'm a person from back then, and I'm like, The year is 1617. Yeah. Well, I don't know history well enough to know what's happening. <laughs> I couldn't even prove All right, that. let's make it... Uh, when, what do you know? What, when do you know a good a period of history that you know well? But this may be telling. <laughs> from, from about 2005 on. <laughs> okay, that's not going to work. Just how, how about we go back to like 1965? I mean, we'll make it even easier for you. Uh, okay. Or maybe it would be harder. I don't know. How would you convince people that you were from the year 2018? So 19... 60, we'll go 1967 for a good clean 40 years. 1967. 1967. Man. But see, even then I'd have to be like, well, I know this is going to happen in four years and then I'll sit around for four years. Yeah, that doesn't work. Now, you got to convince me right now that you're from the future. Okay. Okay. Maybe maybe it doesn't matter. If I don't go that route, we can go all the way back to 1617 because I'd rather go back that far. Okay. We're at 1617. years. All right. All right. So we're back in 1617. What would I do to convince them that I... 1618. Yeah, it's 2018. So. Oh, shoot. Yeah. When did that happen? Yeah, you might want to get a new calendar. <laughs> it's 2018. So we're going back to 1618. <laughs> 1618, we just, yeah. New Year's 1618. You're, you're here. People speak English. You're good there. So mm. convince me you're from 2018. Well, what would I do? I would probably ex- I'd try to explain to them that there is, because they have very little knowledge of America at this point, right? Well, they've got knowledge of it. I mean, what do you mean by little knowledge? They don't know anything about the West Coast. Like I could, I, yeah, I could draw a picture. Of, you could, you could probably do but that. How would they prove? How would they? Like, well, there you wouldn't be able to. If you were here, you'd only be able to talk to Native Americans. You'd have to go to the East Coast, and then you could probably draw. I don't know if you could. I'd have to see your drawing skills, but you might be able to draw a convincing enough map of of I'm actually areas west. Oh, good. I'm a cartographer. Great. Inside. I've got some work for you then. <laughs> areas west of where they currently were, you might be able to draw uh, maps well enough to maybe convince them. Yeah, maybe. You know, for instance, that there's no Northwest Passage, that there's not going to be a waterway across the, the continent. You might just stop them from wasting money on that. Mm. Um, although, how would they believe Yeah, you? yeah. It'd take them. They'd, they'd look for it for 10 years. And, well, probably longer than that. I think that went on for a while. Yeah. So I don't I don't think that saying this is what happens in the future or something like that would work. I think you'd have to have something else. 
um, that you knew, you know, about science maybe, or, or maybe about geography that would show them that, okay, this, this guy did not come up with this himself. Yeah. But so I explained germs to them, which I'd do a terrible job of doing anyway. They're not going to believe you. They're not going to, yeah. It's like, okay. You're going to make a microscope also? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's. If I can bring something back with me, then I'm, I'm done. Just well, bring that, a phone. That, yeah, bring an iPhone. Well, then I'll get burned as a I've witch. thought about that a thousand times. Like, what would happen if I just showed up? Or, or what would happen if I drove my, my car, like... To the middle of... Like, when they were still... It was horse... You know, they were still using horses, and I'm like, oh, right, check right. this out. Yeah. Like, what would they say? They'd freak out, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, basically become kings. They'd be like, he can drive through all of our walls. Right, right. <laughs> I would say that... Uh, this is not going to be an easy one to ask. If we put this, we'll put this podcast on Facebook and comment down there. If you have some way that you know how you would convince someone yeah, I'm, that you were from 400 years you know, in the future, uh, I'll ask you a different question. Uh, if you were arrested, okay, with no explanation, nobody knew, okay, all of a sudden we just all hear your family, the, us at the church, your friends, everybody just heard Hunter was, arrest, was arrested. What's the most likely thing that we would assume you had done? Mm. I can probably answer this question too, but I'm going to ask you. I feel like it'd be some sort of copyright thing. Like I, I used, I used some. That's that's what are I'm you, always. Are you, that's, are you that's confessing what I'm something? Of, is like, did I? Is this legal to use? <laughs> oh. is, this, is this like a like a picture or a video or something that you use yeah, as part yeah, of something else? Yeah. I don't know if you go to jail for that. Though. I think you just get a big fine. Yeah, I mean, you you could depending on what you've done. Yeah. I mean, why don't you confess to everyone on on this podcast and if then I were we'll just, send it to the FBI? If I were just mass producing copies of the Last Jedi and selling them to people, that would probably get, land me in jail. It could, yeah, it definitely could. They say the FBI. Are you, will, are you doing that? I'm not. Okay, that's because that's a church discipline issue, also, <laughs> um, mostly because of the plot holes. No, I'm kidding. Don't <laughs> don't even get into that stuff. I thought it was a fun movie. Um, I, yeah, I'm trying to think. What would I think? Okay, Hunter got arrested. What's the first thing that comes to my mind? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I would think like some sort of driving issue or something. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, whatever I would think for everybody else, probably. You know, this morning, this morning I drove by a, a school bus mm-hmm. and it started to slow down. I, I was, we were going opposite directions, and this was so. This was a five. There were five lanes for cars to drive in because there was a middle turn lane, and then there were, you know, two lanes going each direction on either side and it pulled over on the on the far side from me and I was all the way in the right lane and I saw it pull over and stop and the truck next to me kind of started slowing down and I kind of started slowing down but I never saw a stop sign come out and I even thought even if it was a stop sign it's five lanes of traffic I think that it has to be like a four lane or less road so I just kept driving and then I was thinking oh I hope that wasn't I didn't hit a kid so I guess that that worked out that's good (laughs) that's that's a start I what? think that you have to be on the other side of a median. There has to be a median? Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a median there. To not have to stop. There were intermittent medians. I think you have to be going the opposite direction and be, and there has to be a clear median between you. And I'm not even sure that's true. Don't take, I know I'm an attorney, but do not take that legal advice. I don't know. <laughs> Just stop. You'll be safe. Yeah. You know, how, how hard is it? Obviously, apparently for you, it was hard. It was so, really hard. so now I know what you'd be arrested for. So that's good. Keep that in my, in my mind. Um, I'm going to give you a couple more of these just because I think it's fun. In one sentence, how would you sum up the internet? I'm going to give you like 20 words. No, no, a sentence. So 10 words. How would you sum up the internet? Mm, It is, if the internet were a statue, 
it would be garbage at the bottom and gold at the top. It's 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 the worst of our world and the best of our world all in one big old web. All right. I'll call that a sentence. Oh, I that's that's pretty good. I didn't it's, let's just say it. it's the worst of our world and the best of our world. I don't know if it's ever the best or the worst, but it's but it yeah, certainly it certainly has some very bad and some very good. Yeah. Uh, all right, last one. This is this is for you. Okay, we're just going to take the the northwest. Oh, we'll take the yeah, we'll just take the northwest. So Oregon, Washington, and Idaho. And you've lived in Washington, Idaho. Have you ever lived in Oregon? I lived in Oregon for a summer. Okay, so you've lived in all three states. If each state was represented by a food, you had to pick a food that represented that state. Tell me what each state's food would be that represented them. Well, Idaho would be a potato, a plain mm-hmm. potato. All right. Uncooked. Plain Did you potato. eat a lot of potatoes when you were in Idaho? I probably ate more potatoes than I ever have in my life. Okay. So they're really so it's really is a potato y state. Well, part of that was being on the, the school's food plan and there being mm. mashed potatoes three out of six days of the week. Mm. You know? Okay. Um, that was part of it. But yeah, there was a there was a chain in Boise called uh, Boise Fry Company. And they actually have one in Portland now. I don't know if they have one anywhere in Washington, but they have one in Portland. Um, so you can check that out. And they just have like tons of different options of fries and different cuts. And then you get some uh, dipping sauce and they have like 15 different dipping sauces. And then they have burgers too, but the burgers are, you know, they're not my favorite, but the fries are pretty good. I'm getting kind of hungry thinking about this. So, okay, so potato for Idaho, it's not just a cliche. There really are a lot of potatoes there. Yeah, it's it's kind of, to me, it's like, like on license plates, it says famous potatoes. And I'm thinking you couldn't come up with anything else. I mean, you've they got, are famous. They've I got mean, some cool mountains there. If you go to, you know how like if you go to five guys um, on the wall, they'll always say our potatoes are from, and then it'll be from somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. That, the, 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 the fries today, the potatoes today came from blah, 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 blah. Even if you go to five guys like in Virginia, it'll be Idaho. somewhere in Idaho usually. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Sometimes sometimes somewhere else, but generally speaking, it's going to be somewhere in Idaho. So they really are famous for their potatoes. I think I heard that Washington actually produces more potatoes than Idaho. Hmm. But we are a bigger state, I think. We are, we are a bigger state than Idaho, yeah. I would say. And Idaho, and people. Yeah. Idaho has a lot more mountains and then also a lot of desert that probably mm-hmm. cuts down on their producing ability. Yeah. Um, so for Washington... Well, see, and I'm just going to the fruit states or the state fruits. The Washington would be an apple, but yeah. That's, but see, I don't think we eat more apples no, no, here I than I did say when I lived in Tennessee. No, yeah. Now there, we definitely produce more apples than anybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as I know, but I don't think I eat more apples. So, so let's say let's I think let's something see. a little different, like something a food that was a little more hipster or something, or like yeah. sushi or you know something like that. Yeah, I get. So my experience of Washington is more Spokane, which is. Still the Pacific Northwest, but much less hipster. It's than much more like Idaho. Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. It's a little more. It's far west Idaho. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that experience, I would say something like like a mm, kind of. Don't hurt yourself here. This, like there's, there's nothing food. riding on this. So. I guess I think of like maybe camp food. Like granola. Yeah, granola is granola is probably a pretty Washington yeah. food. It's um, pretty hippie granola. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What I about mean, Oregon? You, Oregon um, would probably be a pot brownie. <laughs> <laughs> Not a sponsor. <laughs> um, all right. 
Um, I don't know. Maybe what, what else could I come up with? I think that's probably pretty good. That, um, yeah. Especially yeah. if you're driving down. Man. Or it, like the like the Oregon coast has good seafood. So like I yeah, could see yeah. clam chowder. You know, I'm just thinking about like my own memories of Oregon, thoughts of Oregon. Um, yeah, yeah cra- Dungeness crab. Dungeness mm-hmm. crab. But, well, now Washington Oregon both have it, but I've just had it more often in Oregon because I'm from the Portland area. So Yeah. All right. I'm not going to take that any farther than this. I, I want to move on to something a little bit more serious, although – I'm not promising I won't crack jokes during this. Uh, we were at, you were at Life Group last night. We were at Life Group together and kind of talking through um, some stuff having to do with Acts Church, but but the church in general, right? And mm-hmm. and like, what is it? What is it that is that the unbeliever, the person who is not ready to um, to intellectually assent, which is to say, to believe um, in God or that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, those, those types of things. What is it that keeps them from trying out a church or from being a part of it? And then what is it that keeps the person who actually is a believer but isn't going to church, what is it that keeps that person from going to church? And then I, I, I asked a series of would you rathers, and we did this in a podcast recently, maybe mm-hmm. last week, the week before, um, kind of funny would, would you rathers. These are not as funny, um, but they are would you rathers, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through them. I'll let you answer them, although I feel like the answers are pretty, most people would answer them the same, but I'd ask whoever's listening to, to the podcast to, to think about this for yourself, um, because we'll kind of walk through it once I get through them. So would you rather know um, and this is about your church, okay? Know that you were loved unconditionally or know that your opinion was valued at a super high level. So would you rather know that the people in the church loved you unconditionally or would you rather, or say the leadership, let's just say the leadership in the church. Would you rather know that the leadership in the church unconditionally loved you? They, they loved you, like really, really loved you and, and there was really nothing you could do that was going to, that was going to break that love? Or would you rather that they all took everything you said about any t- topic super seriously, that your opinion was super valuable? You're asking me this now. Yeah, I'm asking yeah, you yeah, this yeah. now. Um, I think it's rhetorical, but. Yeah. I I would be afraid if if the leadership took every opinion I had super seriously because I don't have very good opinions. You'll never have to worry about it. Yeah. That's for yeah. sure. We, um. That's not even, not even <laughs> worth considering. No, there's not a person that I know of in the universe that anyone would take everything they said super seriously. Nobody knows everything. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think that's good. And, and, and beyond that, I think that knowing that you're loved unconditionally um, is more important. And if your opinion is not taken seriously or as serious as you wanted it to, but you knew you were loved unconditionally, you would at least know that it wasn't a lack of love mm-hmm. was the reason that maybe your opinion wasn't taken seriously. Okay, I'm yeah. going to go to the next one. Um, on an average week, okay, average week of your life, so there's you know 52 weeks in a year, let's just say most of these weeks, okay? Let's not count vacation weeks. We're just your normal week. Would you rather know that you are going to grow you're going to grow spiritually. You're going to grow as a person, as a man or a woman, as a husband or a wife, as a child or a sister or a brother, whatever. All the things that you are, right? Would you rather know that you're going to grow, particularly grow in your relationship with the Lord and so on, but you're going to be very busy and you're going to be tired, you know, tired out at the end of that week? Or would you rather know that it was going to be a very easy week? I mean, almost nothing to do, no expectations, but you were not going to grow at all. Which would you rather do? Yeah, I definitely aspire to to want I, I want to want the first option the, <laughs> I, I want to right. want the, the hardest thing and I there yeah. are definitely a lot of times in my life where that is um, what I am 
what I'm aiming. And I mean, in general, in general, whether I want it or not, that's what I go for. Um, sure. To kind of go against the, you know, you go, you, you deny your fleshly desire to have an easy week and you, you do the hard thing. Now you did just tell me that you haven't been back to work out for a while. So let's not, let's not bring that up. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think that all of us would say, and that's why I say these are sort of rhetorical because first instinct, the right quote unquote, I'm making quotes with my hands. I know you can't see them. The right quote unquote answer is always going to be, Oh, well, I want to grow and work hard. The truth is, is that we struggle with, uh, you know, most of us struggle with some level of, man, I wish I had more time to myself, man, I wish I wasn't as tired, I wish I wasn't as busy. And I think partially because we don't always see the growth part. So we think, mm-hmm. I'm going to be tired at the end of the week and not get the growth yeah. versus have an easy week and not get the growth. If I'm not going to grow, might as well be easy. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I am going to grow, I'm willing to put the hard work in. I think most people would say that, but we don't always follow that. And um, it's hard when you can't see what that growth is going to be. You're not Right. There's you have to have some faith, some trust yeah, yeah, that you're going to grow. Trust that um, what you're doing is worth the time that you're putting time and energy putting into it, and worth the outcome for yourself and for what I mean. Yeah. Obviously, you don't just work. I I guess school felt like very much I'm just working for the sake of working, mm-hmm. which was frustrating to me um, over time. But um, busy work. Obviously, I was preparing myself um, for. For doing work for the sake of something. I'll be the judge of that. Okay. Um, next one. Would you rather, I'm kidding. Obviously you were. Uh, would you rather be embarrassed? Okay. You, you, you've been, you, would you rather get vulnerable and end up being somewhat embarrassed, but know that you were growing, that it was, that it was pushing you forward spiritually, that it was pushing you forward as a person and so on, or have everyone think you were the coolest person ever. But you obviously know that you're not, and you're not growing at all. There's no growth in it, but everybody thinks you're cool. Everything you put on Facebook gets a thousand likes, or however many would be big time to you, okay? Million likes. Everything, everybody looks at you and says, Wow, Hunter, you are the coolest person. But you knew that you weren't growing. And of course, all of us know that nobody is really that cool except for the Lord. Um, but other people thought you were. Would you rather have that, the praise of all these people, or would you rather? Maybe be embarrassed sometimes, but you're growing. Yeah, I'd definitely um, rather be, you know, I, I guess it's another, it's the same thing. I want to want to um, be put in a vulnerable situation where I could be embarrassed and and grow from that as opposed to just be cool and not have to worry about what other people think, even though I know myself. But I think um, that would be very unsatisfying for me if if that were the case, don't worry. I know none of you think I'm cool. I would. I Everybody, would be, th- dude, you play the electric guitar, man. Everybody <laughs> thinks you're cool. Yeah, but I do it in a very uncool way. That's like the that's like the badge of coolness. Like if people just carry an electric guitar around with them, be like, that guy's cool. That's He's what got I an electric it. guitar. That's what I do. It. Right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you did it just for that purpose, right? Well, that's that's you, good. If you've never seen me walk around the mall, you'll see I'm just carrying an electric guitar. Right. right? Just no matter where you go, you're <laughs> carrying an electric guitar with you. Just you, in case everybody wonders you just whether you're see cool. Me on Sunday, right. When I am carrying an electric guitar for a reason, <laughs> right? But really, right. that just goes. That's you just got like a, just an electric guitar backpack, yeah. basically, yes. and it's always with you. Uh, and if anybody asks you if you're cool, you're just like, check this out. Yeah. I got an electric guitar. Did you know? Yeah. This okay. Is- so w- here's the thing. All of these are exactly what you said. Our aspirations are that we want to grow um, rather than worry about being busy, that we'd rather grow and be busy than not be busy and not grow, that we would rather grow and not have everyone's approval than have everyone's approval and not grow, that we would, you know... 
that we would rather have love in our lives, unconditional love, than have everybody think that everything we said was super important. But I think everybody, either one or all of these, and for me, all of these, struggles with the temptation on the other side. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we just want, you know, I'll I'll take the first one, our opinion. The first one was, would you rather know you were loved unconditionally or know your opinion is valued? I think that we all can be in a place where we allow ourselves to be hurt um, or feel bad or harmed when our opinion isn't taken seriously or isn't taken as seriously as we want it to be. We now live in a world where um, we've probably always at some level lived in this world, but it's, it's very outright now that all opinions are equally valuable. We, we've, we've lost this thing where we say, hey, Hunter, I respect you to I respect your opinion. And the truth is, is that I don't respect all of your opinions because some of them you don't have any knowledge to speak on, right? And even that, like somebody's listening to this podcast right now and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he said that he doesn't respect all of Hunter's opinions. And you shouldn't respect all of mine. If I start talking to you about, about knitting, I know nothing. I know there's two needles, right? But if I start telling you my opinions, like all of my opinions on knitting, yeah. you, you, you should not respect it because I don't know anything about it, right? And you know that I don't know anything about it. Not that there's anything wrong with knitting. I would love to learn how to knit, but we I don't you do know have how. some cross-stitch Cross-stitching I could speak on. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I, am, I have done a cross-stitch before. Uh, it's beautiful. It's hanging in my grandmother's uh, house uh, or room that she that she that we locked her in no i'm kidding she's she, we did not lock grandma in a room she's she's at a, a at a great place but um <laughs> she has this cross stitch anyway just, that's just a decide for those of you who don't know but knitting okay i know nothing and so my opinion isn't very valuable and so you can respect me without uh, according to my opinion super high levels of respect but that's not what we tell people we tell people you need to respect all opinions but what we really mean or what we should mean is you need to respect and love people. And I respect and love you. But if you were to tell me, and we've talked about this before, if you were to tell me how to write a commercial real estate contract, I'm going to give that almost no level of value or respect because you don't know anything about that, right? Or am I wrong? Uh, I've, okay. You don't know anything I, about I, that, I right? Nothing. Most people don't. You have to go and do specialized training to know that. And if I tell you how to, you know, uh, how to edit a video or whatever, I don't know what I'm talking about. You know about that. I don't. So you shouldn't necessarily, quote unquote, and again, I'm using quote, respect my opinion at some high level because I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. So having said that, we sometimes like kind of fight against that. Like we we want all our opinions to be equally valid. Whatever I say is just as important as what you say because after all, I thought it. Um, but that's not the world that we live in that's never been the world, which is to say it's just not true that all opinions are equally valid. If if I say what's two plus two and you say four and I say five, um, my opinion of what two plus two is is wrong. Mm-hmm. It's not equally valid to yours. There are things that are just true and there are people who are more right about certain things and, and all the rest of that. Now, having said all that, the reason I'm bringing this up and so that we have a context for the conversation we're having is when people are thinking about the church and like, going to a church, joining a church. I think these three areas are areas that people get hung up on. Um, a, you know, am I going to be loved unconditionally um, or is my opinion going to be valid? A lot of people come in um, to the church or a church and they either feel like they're not heard at all, which is to say their opinions are completely not valued, which is going to make you feel 
unloved, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or you know they they give opinions more than than is more than fits mm-hmm. with what maybe their expertise is, or they don't know the whole situations and whatever, and then are offended or feel unloved because all of their opinions aren't okay. That's that's a struggle for some people. It's like I want to have, you know, I want to be a stakeholder at a certain level, and if I'm not, then I think that people are rude. Mm-hmm. I think that I'm not being loved. I think, but the truth is, is that you, you got to start with the love because it's because when I ask the question, the people last night and us today, we would say actually the love is the more important one, more important than the opinion one, and so you want to know that there's going to be an unconditional love that you're going into you're walking into a place um, full of people the people being the church that are going to actually love you and then it's not as concerning to you if every one of your opinions isn't lifted up and you're given an award for it okay because none of us have that uh, you know when I'm in an elders meeting with the other elders it's not like every opinion I have is like oh my goodness that's the most amazing thing ever sometimes they might just say uh, Pastor David, um, I don't think so, <laughs> and I don't think you know enough about that to say that. And I'm like, okay, you're right, you know. And I and I and but I know they love me, yeah. right? And so that's okay. Um, and and so that's that's the process, right? So that's the first question: is which which one is a, those are more important? I think if people knew they were unconditionally loved, believe that that was going to happen, which means you can't believe in the people; you have to believe that the that Christ is working through the people because He's the only one who can love in that way. They'd be more likely to come, believer unbeliever, unchurched person, person who's not going to church right now, but is a believer or someone who's an unbeliever. The next one was, um, on an average week, would you rather be busy and tired, but be growing or not be as busy and tired, but no, you weren't growing. Here's the next, like, I think real hang up is that a church, especially one like Acts Church, where we actually have quite a high bar, high expectation of those who say they're Christ followers. And that expectation is frankly, on most weeks, you're going to be busy because you got a job, and maybe you've got kids or, or a spouse. Um, you've got you've got other obligations, but we we still have an expectation that you're going to be involved. You're going to be giving financially. You're going to be giving of your time. You're going to be um, invested in these other people, in this church, in the in in what's going on, in the mission, in the vision of what's going on. That you're going to be putting your actual time, effort, energy, money, all those things, which means. At the end of the average week, you're going to be tired, mm-hmm. much more tired than your neighbor if your neighbor does not do those things. So you're asking somebody as a Christ follower, you're saying to them essentially this, okay, here's what I'm selling. You will have less money than your neighbor who has the same, you know, you both, you and your neighbor have the same job, you make the same amount of money, you're going to have less money to spend than they are. You're going to have less time to pursue hobbies than they are because you're, you need to be at church, you need to go to a life group, you know, you'd be involved in, in this and that. You're, you're discipling people. You got all these things are part of your life. So you got less time than they do. They get to go fishing or hunting or whatever more often than you do. Um, you know, you're going to be more tired because, because doing the work. Um, and you do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't mean it's not tiring. All these things are going to be part of your life. On the other hand, you're growing, you're, you're making an eternal impact in people's life, you're changing the world. But all these things, the cost, I think there's a lot of people who, who two things. One, they wonder whether they really are having that impact. And so they don't want to do the work and put the money in or whatever if that's the impact, the impact's not there. Or they're thinking, I would really like to do that, kind of like I'd really like to look like Thor, right? But am I going to go put the amount of 
effort, energy, and so on into shaping my body like that? Probably not. It's not, you know, I, <laughs> it's not worth enough to me to do all that. Um, and I think some people look at, they count the cost and they choose on the side of, I don't want to pay that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that here's, here's my thing. That's fine. Um, it's not fine. It's not good to, to be that person because I think it's not what's best for you. But at least be honest about it. Mm-hmm. For the unbeliever, for the for the believer who's not going to church, whatever, recognize that part of what you're rejecting is the amount of work and effort and energy and discomfort um, that comes with that. And then the next question being and vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. You have to you have to be in there, and you got to let your whole person be there. Um, you got to be vulnerable. You might be embarrassed from time to time. You might whatever. That's part of the growth process. And so, all these things that that you got to put in um, in order not just to get something out for yourself. But for your, your brother and your sister in Christ, um, for the children in the church, for the youth in the church, for the, all these people, you've got to be putting in to see this whole thing, the, the kingdom of God, go forward. And I'm, and I'm going to let you answer this in a second, but I, I think that, these, that these, these are several of the places that really um, make the difference between those who are going to, to press in and those who are not. So tell me what you think uh, about, I don't know, the last 10 minutes of my rant. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I think that that's a lot of it. I think it's, it's people who they, they see, you know, they, they like the idea of church. They like the idea of, of community, of, um, of, of a family that, that is there for you. Um, but then they, they, they show up to church and, and they go, well, the first thing they do is they wake up early on Sunday morning and go, man, I really want to around my pjs and have a nice slow morning preach um and yeah who, who doesn't want that right um and then they go to church they, but they they push through that they go to church and they um then they realize all of a sudden that they're not as outgoing in real life as they are in their head they're not as much of a people person as they they think they are and so then they walk into church and they don't really want to try and get to know people there mm-hmm. they don't really want to try to um get involved in people's lives as soon as any opportunity for that comes up. Um, and if this is you, don't, don't see this as me telling you off. I'm definitely, such a jerk, I'm, I'm definitely in the same boat, um, at, on all these things. And, you know, and, and, and then they say they, they get committed to the church, but then they start realizing that, you know, as Christians, they're called to, to give financially, um, and to, um, make that a part of their worship and to be a, to, to invest in this body of Christ, um, and not just receive and that those costs just start adding up. And if you don't have, well, of course, if you don't have an appreciation for who God is and how important his word is to you, of course, none of this is going to matter. You're probably not going to make it past the the first step of this, which was getting out of bed on a Sunday morning. Um, because why I'm not going to get out of bed on Saturday morning because, um, you think that there's this great building that I can go to on a Saturday morning that is going to, um, which by the way, our building is not great right now. We're, no. we're sitting on, right. on right. Not lunch every tables. Building is great. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you could tell me, Oh, there's this great thing you have to come to on Saturday mornings. And, uh, we, we, what we do is we, we just eat spinach all morning and it's great. And I don't have any appreciation for spinach. I'm not going to go. Um, so first, that's you know that's the obvious um, reason why people don't go to churches because they don't they don't see God as real. 
they don't see God as um, someone worth pursuing. The second reason, maybe maybe they are at least interested in hearing more about God and um, investigating whether or not he's some somebody that they want to incorporate into their lives. Um, and they, they'll get to the church and they'll, they'll get distracted by all the people now um, that, that God has called us to be in relationship with. Um, but that, that can be difficult, you know, yeah. um, people, people, it can be difficult just without doing anything, just having to be around people who are hurting um, because you have your own hurts that you are, are, are dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be hard to get involved in those people's hurts because um, right now you've, you've got enough on your plate right? or, or whatever it is. Uh, maybe you're just not, you know, not everybody is, is a, is made to be terribly hospitable and caring and empathetic, you know? Um, so maybe that's just not you. And so that's difficult. And then, and then it comes to serving in the church and all these costs are adding up. And if you don't have a picture of, of why you're doing all of that, it's just not going to be worth it to you. It's going to, yeah. it's going to fall short. And, um, and so I think for me, um, the, the, what I fix my eyes on, what I am always paying attention to about why it's worth it is that, um, there's a God who, who created me and who, um, created everybody around me and he wanted us to be, um, together and he wanted our worship and, um, he created me for worship. And so, um, that's, that's what I would respond if, if someone is going, well, I don't, I don't need church. I don't need, um, church. And if you don't believe in God, okay, right now, no, you don't need church, you know? Um, I mean, you do need church because, but, um, but you haven't, you haven't, um, bought into that for yourself yet. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why, why would you go to church if you haven't sure. bought into that? Um, so yeah, that's, I guess that's my assessment. Because there's a cool guy with an electric guitar there. Yeah. Right. I mean, what other reason and, would there be? And sadly, I think that might be, I mean, our church, I don't think there's anyone going to our church because of that, but there, I think there are churches where it's like, this is a sweet Sunday morning concert for sure. me to go to. Um, this guy tells great jokes. Yeah. He's, you know, he's spitting fire. Yeah. Um, and it's, I don't really know. There are all kinds. It doesn't of really reasons. affect me, but it yeah. makes me feel cool on a Sunday morning. There are all kinds of reasons. Not not that there's anything wrong with having a strong service or a strong production in your service, but you, of course there are going to be people who pick a church based on that rather than necessarily where the Lord is calling them to be, and so on. But those are those are, uh, I think, areas of of maturity that we grow through, yeah. which is to say. All, every believer, and I'm talking to believers in this little section, is every believer has been through different phases of their faith where I think a lot of believers it takes a certain amount of time to recognize things like I'm called to a particular church. God's got a particular place in his body, in, in a particular expression of the body of Christ for me to, um, you know, to, to become part of that, become part of that living organism. And I can't just go to the place that I prefer, that I like. I got to go to the place that he's called me to. Well, that's, that's actually a relatively mature step in your faith. And so I think a lot of people don't do that. And that's okay. You, you walk through it and, and, and that place may be the place with the great production and the, and the, and the band and the, and the, you know, whatever, or it may be the place that's got 
you know, seven people who are, you know, in a house somewhere just trying to struggle to, to start a church. It, uh, who knows? It depends on what God's called you to. And, and, and in the life of your faith, it may be all of those things. I mean, I've been at mega churches, big churches. I've been at small churches. I've, you know, um, it just depends on where the Lord's got you. And so I, I would just say as an encouragement and as a challenge that, you know, you start to, to think about for those of you who are listening, if you, if you're not part of a church. And when I say part of a church, I don't mean that you show up once a month. I mean, part of a church and an operating, active, attending, giving, volunteering part of a church. Um, you're missing out on something that's for you and for your family and for, and for everyone who's going to ever be around you and for all the things that you, that God's building in you to do. Don't let the, the vulnerability or the work or the perception of, of, needing to be in control uh, more than you can or whatever. Don't let those things stop you from being uh, part of a church, recognizing that there is no perfect church. And, you know, if there are not major moral problems going on, you know, maybe maybe your place is to be in that church to be the light to show how to do this better or that better or whatever. But faithfully serve the Lord and, and become part of a church because we, as the church, as Christ church globally, right, across all space and time and so on, need you to to add your your piece to that and if you are going to a church you know always be looking for what's that next step what's that next thing that i can do or learn or grow in and and with that in mind we're gonna we i had a conversation with sherry ware uh one of the deacons here at axe church who's been involved in with her husband john leading uh we had a, a steps uh program which is which is yeah, people use the word recovery, and we'll talk a little bit about that during that interview. Um, but really, it's an exercise in confession, repentance, redemption, restoration, growing in holiness, thirsting after righteousness, those types of things. And so um, they've, they've had a lot of experience with that, and I think you, you'll you be blessed by hearing from Sherry today. Uh, and so we're going to go to that interview here in just a minute, and then we'll be back with you for a minute after that, and uh, we'll see you then. All right, this week we have Sherry Ware with us. She's one of our deacons and um, has run some of our uh, ministries, including recently a STEPS program uh, for the church, which is a kind of a recovery, uh, an exercise in learning about confession, repentance, uh, drawing into holiness. And so um, I just wanted to talk with her today and get some of her experiences. I just want to talk about recovery and its place in the church. Um, and so, Sherry, I'm just going to start with that. What are your feelings on the role of the church in in recovery and ministries that are drawing us towards holiness? What what have you seen in your own life, and what is your feeling towards towards the role of the church for that? Well, um, I, I guess first to start with is that I feel like you know recovery and recovery ministry um, is a new uh, new age new world uh, word. Uh, and in the past, I think, and in the Bible, it's it's more spoken of as a discipleship. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, what we're, what we're recovering from is we're recovering from the effects of sin, and and whether that's sin that's uh, comes from uh, uh, something that someone has done to you, or the own sin that you're born with, that you come into the world with. Um, that there's a constant process that we have in our lives um, that we we're gonna we're gonna have all of our lives of having to recover from that. You know, as a nation, we recover from it. As, as a, you know, the world is recovering from it. Um, it doesn't uh, uh, it doesn't take uh, 
a lot of intuition um, or foresight to, uh, to see that that the world's broken, that people are broken. I mean, when you when you see that 16 months old who's you know uh, slapping at his mom or or despondent laying on the floor banging his head because he can't get his way or her way, um, it, it's it's real clear that 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 sin and um, suffering uh, comes to us, uh, you know. Very early, <laughs> I didn't even know my mom had shown you those videos. Of right? Me, but no, that's, that's, uh, that would be all of us. Yeah. So, 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 just to kind of set that tone when we talk about recovery, we're talking about you know something that that everybody needs, um, and and that is pushing us toward you know that that we recover uh, from the, the effects of sin in our lives, whether that's current sin or past sin, whether that's sin that somebody has uh, 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 perpetrated on us, or whether that's our own sin. Mm-hmm. So you've you've been involved in these types of ministries for a long time. We've seen in the church, you know, the the current church has seen a number of iterations of this. Uh, there's um, Celebrate Recovery. There's the program that we did called Steps. There's the one that we're going to do here soon. Um, that that all of which are are sort of born out of let's take let's take scripture and let's take sort of uh, put a system to it or a process to it where we try to work through and find roots and find um, what sort of uh, is in is in our lives or in our past or, or whatever it may be that's sort of driving our behavior or the temptations that we're particularly dealing with. Talk to me about the process that you've seen in, in any of these or all of these different programs, even even non-Christian ones, if you've seen that and, and how you've seen that work out for people. Well, I think the process is, uh, you know, first uh, you know, identifying that there's a problem. What, what, what I just spoke about—that mm-hmm. there's a problem in my life that that um, is evident either to others or to me. Hopefully, to me, but sometimes, it com- you know, it's, it, it comes apparent to us because of other people's response to us. Um, and then once there's that um, that knowledge that there that there are issues, that there are things that we need to deal with, then I think that there's the um, the um, uh, the desire to, to 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 fix that to to be to be healed or to be um, uh, delivered or or to not be stuck in whatever that you know sin is or whatever that problem is in our life. So I think that's that's pretty much the first part. First place is to say I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to keep doing the same thing that I've been doing with the same terrible results. Um, and so I think that that that's the first the start of that is to acknowledge that, and and I guess I, I'd be even so bold to say that if you think that you don't have anything to recover from, if you think that you don't have that sin doesn't control your life, um, that's probably a big indication that it does. And you know you might want to ask some other people around you. Yeah, I don't think that's particularly bold. I think that's pretty true. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so and so I think that it starts with that. Uh, that awareness and, and acknowledging that, and then you know seeking out um, the Lord on how um, uh, to address it, and uh, and you've already spoken about uh, confession and repentance. Um, there's also accountability mm-hmm. to make yourself accountable to 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 someone who um, is going to walk with you, who's going to speak the truth to you in love, who's going to hold you accountable, who's not going to say, oh, it's okay that you know you're you're angry, or it's okay that you're depressed or it's okay that you're addicted um who's who's not going to make excuses for you but who's going to continually be there almost like a coach or a trainer saying you know let's 
let's go deeper in this. Let's try, you know, try to figure out what the root is of this. Um, and so, and so, I think that there's, you know, accepting uh, uh, someone to be accountable who's walked through their own issues and things in their life. Um, and then I think, uh, and then I think there's that uh, that confession, that repentance, and knowing that we we're going to fight a battle with with sin and darkness our whole lives, both our own and the, and the world's. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I've noticed, Sherry, is with a ministry like this, because there's a high level of vulnerability. There's a high level of work, um, commitment, uh, the idea of accountability. There's all kinds of obedience, submission issues, is that a lot of people are reticent to do it. And I know your story a little bit. I know that you didn't just jump in both feet the first time you were introduced with this. So talk to me a little bit about what it was like for you, your personal journey, in sort of surrendering to this type of a uh, of a ministry and this type of a process of confession repentance restoration redemption holiness that type of thing in your life talk to me about that so i um uh my first uh foray into uh into uh any kind of formalized recovery um ministry was uh i was in the midst of a uh pretty nasty divorce um, from a spouse who was uh, chronically unfaithful and uh, and suffering and sad and mad at God and mad at myself and uh, and searching and someone suggested that I uh, join this recovery ministry and, and to be honest with you I was pretty mad at them about it because I'm like well wait a second I was cheated on. I was the victim here. Why, you know, why do I need to go to recovery? Why do I need to go to some program? You know, and I had in my mind it was an AA type program, which it was and it wasn't. Um, but but I was pretty reticent. But you know, but because I was at the end of everything that I knew to do, um, I, I I I I started going to the classes, and I I almost said a word. I submitted and went to the classes, but I think submit would be too strong of a word at this point. It was just <laughs> I'll check it out. And honestly, I, I would say probably the first three or four meetings that I went to, I was just filled with, wow, um, glad I'm not as bad as that person, or I'm glad I, you know, my life hasn't taken those bad turns, or gosh, what I'm going through is not that bad. Um, and then, you know, the whole time, obviously, I believe that God was working on my heart, even just getting me in the door of a program like that. But then I began to see um, God's work in other people uh, and where he uh, was taking them and, and how he was delivering them and, uh, and a, lot of, a lot of applying God's word and scripture um, to uh, what was going on in our lives that are you know kind of mal- maladies of our society but seeing that there's really nothing new under the sun and that there were answers in scripture to these things um, and seeing how to apply God's word to the, to the, to the things that was going on in my life. Um, I think that that uh, resonated with me intellectually, but it also resonated in my heart. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, um, so I went through a, a, pretty much the, the whole, uh, I don't know, it was a 10 week or a 13 week program. I went through that uh, and at the end of that decided Maybe I'll do this again, but this time I'll do it because I want to and because I know I really need to. Mm-hmm. And so then I, uh, then I, I, I did the did it again, full, fully, really submitting myself to it, and 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 getting an accountability partner and walking with someone uh, who was 
who was brave enough and courageous enough and loving enough to be honest with me about some of my excuses, about some of my sins. Um, and, uh, and God really met me. And, uh, and it, uh, it, it changed my life, changed my life. And yeah. this was, I was in my mid thirties, so, or late thirties. So I had uh, spent a lot of time trying to, I'm a very type A, pull, you know, bootstrap kind of person. I can, I can fix everything. And so it took me that long to realize, well, I can't, I can't fix myself, mm. you know, that, that, and I don't have to fix myself. That's not really, God, God's there. Mm. And God needed, I feel like I needed to come to the end of everything that I could do to make things work before I could depend on God. And so, so it was later, it was, yeah. you know, after a lot of struggle. Well, and I think that that's where a lot of people are. There's, I think there's a threat to our control when we talk about things like uh, a ministry like this and, mm-hmm. and recovery and accountability and things like that. And so I think all of us sort of buck at it. And you're not the only one who I've heard kind of needed to go through it and then needed to go through it again, right. uh, which is to say you, you sort of do the first time almost for buy-in. Um, and I think for me, obviously the process was, yeah, I was pretty hard headed. And so the Lord had to work with me and I've, and I've gone through it and I went through steps with you recently. Um, as a number of people in the church, and it was a it was a huge blessing in a lot of people's lives, and and a big part of I think 2017. Um, of course, we're recording this in January of 2018, and and 2017 for I think a lot of people in the church and couples in the church was defined by steps, uh, which is to say defined by this type of a program. And so we're obviously going to be offering this program um, that we're creating now, which is similar, um, which is going to address some of these, and then probably even going deeper. One of the things I think though, that a lot of people, so there are those who are going to be reticent because, oh, I don't know, pride, control, all those things that kind of affect all of us. But then there's going to be some who are like, oh no, my problems, my problems are, are way more serious than other people's. And I, and I don't even want to start to open that can. I don't even want to start to go back to either the things that have happened to me or the things that I've done or done to others. And, and I can't come and be vulnerable about that. And I sort of, that's sort of my deep, dark secret. And I don't even talk to the Lord about it and that kind of thing. And so encourage people. Um, I, I know I can, because I can tell you, you're not worse than me, uh, you know, and, and for those that know my story or know some of my story, you would know that, but um, encourage people, Sherry, with, with, you know, the person who's saying, I don't want to go through this because it's too much. It's too, I just, I'm going to wait until the final redemption and, and Jesus makes me new and whatever. Until then, I'm just going to have these broken things. I'm going to keep them over there. And I'm going to, you know, tell me, tell me what you would say to that person. Well, well so, so I'll tell you what, uh, something that resonated with me um, in that, because, because I, I definitely was, was there, you know, hmm. that, these are these are big things. The things that happened to me as a child, the things that, you know, happened to me as an adult were things that you know they're big, they're tough, they're they're shameful, um, and uh, and so one of the things that that resonated with me that I heard someone say was um, that uh, that there that there are laws that define nature. Like we know about the law of gravity. If you don't, just you know jump off your roof or drop probably better just drop a piece of a pencil right and see what happens right? off your roof, yeah, yeah. yeah but but there are laws that, that govern our universe and 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 one of them is what somebody called the law of compost which i don't really know that that's a law i'm sure that there's a, a fancier name for it but the, but the but the the that law or that you know is that if you you know if you 
collect all your scraps, uh, your food scraps, and you take them out and you bury them in the yard. And you know, uh, when you go back, uh, and these are scraps; they're not wanted. They're not. They're not good to eat. You know, if you if you go back in a few days, um, they're not going to be in the same place that they were when you put them out there. They're going to be stinkier. They're going to be worse. Mm-hmm. And so, what? What someone reminded me of is that it can get worse. And so if you just say, oh, I've dealt with it all of these years and this is such a bad thing and, you know, and it's shameful and I don't really want to bring this to light and I, you know, I've been dealing with it all these years, I can deal with it some more. What will these people think of me? You know, to have somebody look you in the eyes and say, oh, no, it will get worse because it's the law of compost. It, mm. it, it only looks like it's covered up in the dirt outside in the backyard, but it's going to rot it's going to turn into something altogether worse mm-hmm. than what you threw out in the backyard, you know, with maggots, with other people smelling it, all of those things. So if you think that you're hiding, if you think that you can continue to hide, you can't. You're probably not hiding now. Um, if you can, think you can keep the symptoms of what's going on in your life um, at bay, you can't. And 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 then another Thing that someone once told me that has also resounded with me it's actually it's actually i think albert einstein which is not you know uh he's not a great theologian but but uh but he talked about uh doing the same thing over and over with the same uh, disastrous results mm-hmm. is it being the definition you know of craziness mm-hmm. the definition of what not insanity. to do yeah. insanity right and so and so how long do you want to keep doing the same things over and over and over again and getting the same result? And so when I started thinking about the big things like, oh my gosh, I've got to tell somebody about this. Like I've got to confess that 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 I don't have that I don't have control of this, um, or that I'm scared about this, or that I'm wounded by this. Um, you know, uh, and and there's so much risk because what if they're not the right people, or what if they judge me, or what if they tell somebody else? What if what if what if all the things that you think in your mind? Um, but I never tried any of that. Mm-hmm. What I had tried was dealing with it on my own. What I had tried was just giving up and saying I can't do it, and wallowing in it. But what I hadn't tried was being accountable. What I hadn't uh, tried was trusting God that God was gonna bring people in my life who would love me, who yeah, might make some mistakes and who may not do everything right and who may not always have the best advice, but God would honor my submission. God would honor me saying, okay, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna open up about this. Mm-hmm. And what what happens, David, is is that once you open up, you, I believe that you kind of clear out a space for God to begin to speak to you, for God to begin to give you wisdom and knowledge. And yes, yeah, sometimes that's going to be another person telling you stuff. Sometimes, though, God's going to make Scripture come real to you so that you understand what to do with that Scripture in your life. Um, and so it's not just about finding somebody who's going to tell you what to do and how to get out of it. It's about, it's about, it's about submitting to the Lord and saying, okay, God, I'm going to try your way. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to lean on you, and I'm going to trust that you're going to bring somebody into my life who will help me. And, and, and if, if that's not available or that's not all the help that I need, that you're going to be there for me. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I think that, that that's how I would encourage you is, A, it's not going to get better. Uh, it's going to deteriorate. It's going to come out in other parts of your life. It's going to get worse. There's no stagnant. There's no, oh, okay, this is the worst it's going to get. 
my sin. It takes on other forms. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole uh, lie that we listen to about, oh, you know, someone will judge me or they're going to think worse of me or it could get worse. Or, oh, my favorite was if I let all this out, if I let all this pain and hurt out, I'm just going to end up somewhere rocking in an insane asylum. Like it's too <laughs> much. It's too painful. Mm-hmm. But you know what? God, God's grace and God's love. And God's healing was there. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't what was more painful, I didn't realize, was keeping it all bottled up inside, was Mm -hmm. hiding. That Mm -hmm. was actually more painful. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that uh, obviously I agree with you and I've had the same experience. And I I wish that people could could have enough faith in God to believe that he's going to be there for them in that. Um, and, And let's talk about the word freedom for a second, because... We feel like when we're in control, we're free. And in control sometimes means keeping all of this stuff, whether it's the things that have happened to us, things we've done, or the sins that we're currently beset by, you know, that we've got, you know, we're, we've got the, the tiger by the tail, right? Which is what's really going on. We, we have no control, but we feel like we do. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about in your own life, and then I'll share a little bit of mine, the, the freedom that has come from living a life of confession and repentance, of, of letting these things out of letting people know who you are and all that kind of... Tell me about the freedom that you feel as a result of that. I, I, I've i always had, told myself that, um, that, that lie that we tell ourselves of, gosh, they only love the Sherry that they see. If, if there's someone that loves me, they, they only love the Sherry that they see. If they could see the real Sherry, mm. they wouldn't really love me. So, so what, what, what the fallacy and the, and the thing that's wrong in that statement is, is that we wonder why we're lonely. We wonder why um, we uh, 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 are full of uh, anxiety, you know. Uh, we wonder why we're so concerned about what other people think. Well, if, if we believe that, that, that people only love uh, us because of what they see, uh, then yeah, we're we're perpetuating that anxiety. We're perpetuating that always having to hide. But when when we when we lay our souls bare, when we let people know who we really are, and they love us, there's not only the freedom there, but there's that that sense that they really do love me, warts and all. Mm-hmm. They really do love not only who they see in front of me them now but who i've been who i am now who i'm becoming and there's a realness there there's a freedom that comes from that that Mm -hmm. you don't you're not looking over your shoulder you're not constantly worried about what what are people going to think of me because there are core people in your life who say hey i love you even though you're an addict Um, i love you even though you know you've hurt these people or i love you even though you've been so hurt Mm -hmm. Um, and i love you when you're having good days and i love you when you're having bad days not just when you're having good days and you look all great there on facebook you know, but I love you when really bad stuff is happening, right? right. There's such freedom in that because yeah. I think that's what we long for is we long for that love. We mm. long for that acceptance. We long for that peace. Right. Which at the end is, of course, it's the love of Christ in us to be able to do that for anybody under any set of circumstances, right. whether they are perfect, which no one is, or whether they are flawed, which everyone is. It's it's the love of Christ. And it's and it's and there's a, there's a level of trusting that Christ is at work. In, in the hearts 
and 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 the spirit of other people and that we can that we're safe with him even though it's true that we that there's no person who you're totally safe with which is we all make mistakes we give bad advice we we use other people we make mistakes we do whatever that's why some people are afraid of uh, leadership in churches or at their work or whatever we keep everybody sort of at a distance but the truth is is that the church should be a place where there can be a real freedom and a real love of that kind that comes back to us and, and I and I would resonate with what you've said I I also feel the freedom of knowing that I'm loved and knowing that there's not you know uh, I don't have all this stuff hidden like you can come and ask me, and I'll tell you, um, uh, you know, what my life looks like, what it's always looked like. It's it's no secret. Um, it's some of it's very ugly, some of it's very um, shameful, and yet I don't live in that shame anymore because ultimately I had to go from I want this person or that person to think this of me to I only care what Christ thinks of me, and in and in shooting it in that direction. The other people did too. Those who right. had his heart, right? And so, it's a, um, it's just, it's, it's one of these things where it's like, if you, when I met my wife, you know, and we, you know, you're in that first part where you, you're in that kind of, um, it's exciting, and you know, you have all those feelings of like, you, know, you want to be around each other all the time, and you know, you're talking on the phone all the time or whatever. And we're not particularly, my wife and I, aren't as like, um, I'll just use the word romantic as, as some. We're romantic, but not, uh, it's not like it was every night. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Okay. We weren't to that, to that. We weren't as silly. Maybe, uh, that's not nice to say if that's what you do. That's cool. The point is all of it comes from a place of, I want to love you more. Like I want more, I want more of you. I want more of you. And that's how we should be towards Christ, but it's also how we should be towards each other. And to me, the recovery ministry, the, uh, putting out this opportunity is a place where, I think we as a church, you and me and the elders and the deacons and the different people in the church are saying to people, we want to be able to love you more. you got to open up more so that we can love you more. Not you got to open up more so that we have this information about you or that information about you or we want to uh, gossip about you or we want to, you're not safe, but rather the more that you are vulnerable, the more we get to love the you, the whole you, which is what you're talking about, right? The, not the you that you, want to, that you want to put on, not the you that you have on Facebook, the real you. And we can't love you fully unless you show us fully, and we're and we want that. And so, as a church, to me, that's the message that I want people to have: is this is a process that we believe is going to be good for you, and because we love you, we want you to draw closer to Christ. And you have to do this. This baggage has to go um, for you to to move move closer. And it's not a one time thing either, right? This is a lifetime. Uh, this is a this is a discipline over your life. Confession, repentance, restoration, redemption, and then tomorrow again, right? It's just over and over. We're living a life that becomes part of who we are. Um, but we, but in order to fully love those who are in the church, to fully be unified, uh, we all have to do this. And so, um, well, and, and speaking to that all, I mean, you, you spoke a little bit to, um, you know, people who are hiding or thinking, oh, you know, I'm I'm the worst, and so, you know. But there's also folks who are like, wow, you know, my, my life's pretty good. And yeah, I got problems. And yeah, I wish my marriage was better. And I wish we were more in love. And, you know, I wish this was better in my marriage than this. It's, it's, this is, we're not just talking about people who are in a, in a particular huge, giant struggle in their life at this point in time. We're talking about everyone. We're talking about this, 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 uh, this uh, pursuit of holiness. Mm-hmm. And that okay is 
nowhere in the Bible that it says that, you know, Christ came so we'd be okay. You know, Christ came, you know, to give us life, to give us joy, right? right? And so this is an invitation for everyone, recovery, discipleship, recovering from the effects of sin. Mm -hmm. And that sin may be that you're just not attentive to your spouse, or your spouse is not attentive to you, or that you've gotten into really bad habits that have, you know, are wear and tear and irritations on your marriage, or that make you respond wrongly at work or wrongly to your children. So we're not, we're not just talking about people who are, you know, in, in intense struggle in their life but we're talking about everyone we're talking about everyone recovering from the effects of sin in their life and 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 being honest about that and being open about that so like you said that 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 the church can love them and can uh, uh, encourage them to pursue holiness yeah yeah I I find when you were saying that I I, I realized something about myself and I thought yeah, there was there was a time in my life when I was younger, and I actually thought about myself in kind of this way of, I really haven't done that much. What do I really need recovery for? And I was pretty young at this point because I needed it pretty early on, but but I did all the things that you're supposed to do, generally speaking, right? I mean, you, certainly you want to you want to draw uh, comparisons to what say my peers were doing or whatever. Uh, you know, I was I was checking the right boxes. I was doing all the things, and it was not when when I fell into sin. It wasn't like it was um, 10 years of steady decline. It was, I mean, I fell off the cliff. And so obviously the things that were in my heart, the roots were there, even though I could have said to myself and everybody else how great everything was. And I, mean, I, I remember talking to a friend who's like, I haven't even done anything that I would go to jail for a long time for. How could, how could, I be, how could the Lord want me to go to hell or that type of thing, which, of course, mm-hmm. is a whole different issue. And, right. and the Lord doesn't want you to go to hell. That's a, um, that's a different issue. But, but there's a pride in that. There's a, yeah, things are pretty good, right? I, generally speaking, I do better than my neighbor. Or I generally think about what the good thing to do is, whatever. And so what would I need? recovery for right it's it's these other people it's these other horrible people out there these other dirty shameful people mm-hmm. and i and, and that if that is your attitude in any way that is not the mind of christ well okay it actually kind of sounds like some other folks in the bible like pharisees it right? sounds a little bit like that isn't that there, that there's a good? there is a, a very dangerous pride yeah. in feeling that way about yourself so if you're listening and this isn't this isn't to make people feel bad unless that's what the Lord wants for right. you. But if your mindset is, I'm hearing this stuff about recovery, uh, you know, and I'm thinking, well, I, I do get that. There are a lot of people who really need that. And boy, I feel bad for them. I'll pray for them. Um, it's you. Yeah. It's you. You're the one who needs it because all of us need it. There is no one whose heart is not desperately wicked but for the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of Christ. Right. And so if you're, if you're thinking you don't need this, all the more you need to get into this uh, uh, mindset that, that you need this, that you need to do this, not only in, in the programmatic way that, that, or the systematic way that, that we'll do it as a church or wherever you are, because I know some of you don't go to Acts Church, you go to other churches, but you're listening to this podcast. Hopefully your church has this or something like this. If it does not, Call us at Axe Church and or go online www.axecamus.org and um, you know connect with us, uh, email us, and we'll try to find a program for you in your area because we believe in this as a fundamental, necessary part of the Christian walk is that you would build these build these disciplines into your life. And I can tell you in my life, and I know Sherry, you would say the same, that the growth that that we have had as believers and growing closer to the Lord has been directly tied to the amount of 
um, work that we've been willing to put into pursuing righteousness, pursuing holiness, and and finding roots, and all of these kinds of things in our life, because it's one of the fundamentals. It's one of those. It's one of those things on which the whole thing is sitting, and along with studying scripture, along with discipling, being discipled, and all these things are all they're all part of the same thing. And and so. If you're not doing this, you simply are not chasing after Christ in the way that you need to. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And and I guess the, the, the final question that I'll propose back to you or to us is, so what's the end game? Like, you know, why, other than the, the, the Lord commanded us, you know, to pursue holiness, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what, what's the end game? What, what, what do we get from this? What does this look like at the end of this? I think there are a lot of answers to that question, actually, because I feel like I have, I feel like the kind of growth I've had has actually been in multiple areas, and the and the future that I see in continuing in this, actually, I see multiple things. But let let me talk about a couple of them. One is I've never been closer to Christ than when I have, when I have engaged in true confession and repentance. So I've never felt more loved by Him and more moved by the cross than when I have allowed him to penetrate my heart, mm-hmm. find that which is dark there, mm-hmm. and let that go. And so my so to start with, to me, primarily, it's that relationship with Christ. Right. But in that, that exploded into because there was a there was a time in my life when I went through this, uh, you know, for the for the first time. And I've gone through it since because I like I say, this is something we continue to do, but um it exploded into who I was as a as a husband, who I was as a as a person, who I was in the church, who I was. I mean, everything flowed from that moment of true recognition of of who I was, confessing, repenting, and working working towards repentance. And it was there was it was not a smooth road. Um, there were bumps and and. I got bruises, and there were things that went well and things that didn't. And and there's a you can have a tendency to get pharisaical. You can have a tendency to go this way, that way. There's all these things that were part of it because it's a process, but it's drawn me closer. It's prepared me to meet Christ. It's preparing me to to come before His face and and know and and in that moment to, to recognize the depth of His love for me. And it and it just and it draws me into deeper love. It's it, you know there's a passage of scripture where he says, you know there's this woman, and you know the the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, these guys are oh you know look at this person. Of course she's you know washing his feet with her tears that type of thing. And 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 it's, the whole thing was, look the one who's been forgiven much loves much. Right. And to me that there's nothing, there's very little that's more true, you know, that and that Christ makes all things new are, are the things that drive me, you know, people might think it's something different because I like to talk about philosophy and theology and all these things. But the, the fact is that what drives me is that, that I've been forgiven and, and, and I know he's, I've allowed him to show me who I am. Um, I've allowed the law to be a mirror for me so that I can look into it and see where where I failed and how much I need him. And the promise of newness is, is something I experience on a smaller level every day and every moment that I work through confession, repentance, accountability, holiness, thirsting for righteousness, and so on. So that would be my answer of, you know, which is not a small thing. <laughs> it's yeah, it's thing. everything, right? right? And so that's that's what I feel like you get. And I feel like I would not have any of those things. My faith would be weak 
Mm-hmm. It would be shallow if I didn't have those things. So, and, and of course, I'll ask the same thing back to you. What would you say? Well, well, ditto everything that you said for sure. Um, I'll I'll uh, try try to be succinct in saying that um, where there is was fear, mm. there is now faith. Mm-hmm. You know, whether there was sadness, overwhelming sadness. Mm. Um, there's now joy. Mm. Um, where where there is shame, there's now this freedom. Mm. And like you said, this overwhelming sense that God loves me and he has good for me. Um, there are new eyes that see his grace all around me. Um, he has, uh, in, in, in taking away a lot of this baggage in my life, and uh, and working on me in these areas where I fall into sin um, has uh, opened up places, uh, channels uh, that I have now to love other people, mm. and then it's seeing, uh, loving them and seeing uh, change in their lives and getting to walk with them through things and feeling joy for them right. and feeling awe for them and feeling faith for them, and so it's all of those things, all of those horrible, terrible things that. That that I held in secret and you know and, and now have been brought to the light and God has come in and he, there has been healing and there's been transformation, um, uh, really good things, mm. really wonderful wonderful things have been replaced mm. and so I'm so glad that it's a continuing process and I get to have more of all those things yeah. peace joy love hope yeah more of him right um, it, it's uh it seems to me like those who are listening should uh, at this point be at some level recognizing um, how valuable this is. And of course, many people who are listening may have already been through this type of thing and could um, confirm this. So if you know someone in your life who has and talk to them or call me or call Sherry, uh, we'd love to talk to you about uh, how this, how this works and, and how it might work for you and so on. But we we just want to encourage, I know both Sherry and I just want to encourage everybody to not only do this as an act of obedience, um, do this as something that you recognize as a discipline of the Christian walk, which is important, but to do this because you, you, you desire, you thirst, you hunger for those things that we're talking about, the, the closest with Christ, the freedom in Christ, the joy, the peace uh, that comes in, in, in no longer being ashamed. Uh, and no longer living in fear, um, which is binds so many of us, um, and, and just to enjoy, just to have joy in the adventure that is to follow Christ. So, Sharon, I'm going to ask for you to to pray for all those who are listening, um, for the church, for the church worldwide, for our church, um, and and just asking the Lord to to draw us closer to Him. So, why don't you do that, Father? I just thank you, Lord, that um, that you've given us. Uh, the technology, Lord, and, and the means and the way, Lord, to to speak this truth, Lord, and, and send this out um, to folks in our church, Lord, and, and other people, um, God, who we're going to trust um, you, that you uh, get this to the to just the, the right ears and the heart that's ready mm-hmm. and the hearts that are ready. Um, so, Father, we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that uh, for the things that, that you brought David and I through, Lord, and that the folks in our church that, that um, have been through this process of uh, confession and repentance and pursuing holiness. Um, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you would open eyes right now, Lord, 
um, that you would um, open hearts right now. And God, that uh, that that seed that you've put in um, already, Lord, that uh, that it would open up and that would spring out of there courage, Lord, uh, to pursue you, courage to take the next step, Lord, into um, confession and repentance, Lord, to 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 put aside the the crazy uh, uh, cycle of insanity that uh, that we get into, where we keep doing the same things over and over again with the same bad results and. Lord, that you you encourage people to put that aside, God, uh, and 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 to seek you and to pursue you. And so, Lord, uh, uh, take these words that have been spoken, Lord, and uh, uh, and uh, minister to people's hearts, Lord, in the way, Lord, that you see fit. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sherry. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it. This podcast was put out by Axe Church in Camas, Washington. If you haven't heard of us before, you can check us out at axecamas.org. We have a lot of sermons on there, and we have some other information about our church. So we'd love it if you'd check that out. If you're listening to this on SoundCloud or iTunes, you can subscribe to us and get all of our podcasts in the future sent directly to you. We'd love it if you would interact with us, either through the comments or by writing a review. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.